Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and I'm joined once again by Jackie and Matt. And we have a couple things to discuss this week. We're going to talk about the news that Samuel L. Jackson has agreed to be on the Disney Plus Marvel shows. We don't know whether or not it's his own show or if he's going to just appear in some of them, but we're still excited for it. We're going to talk about the fact that LA Comic Con thinks that they can hold an in-person event this year, and that's going to be a good idea. Spoiler alert, it's not a good idea. And finally, we watched Enola Holmes, which is streaming now on Netflix. So without further ado, here's We're Watching What? Let's begin with Nick Fury, because I misread the news, and I thought it was just Samuel L. Jackson has agreed to be on Disney+. Plus. Well, no, but when you when you said that to me, then I went back and reread, and I was like, okay, I misread it too, because I took it as gospel that he was getting his own show for sure, and that may be the case. But really, if you read it, it just says that he has signed on to do a Disney Plus show. We don't know that it's a Nick Fury show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that part's been actually announced. I mean, so it's it still could exciting. Be one of either, you know, I love him as Fury, and I think it's, he's super fun. And I honestly, you look at Nick's past, CIA and like the espionage, I don't know if they would do the de-aging thing and go like way oh. back. And, oh, I hope not. I can't. But I... that part, that's a little eh, but the stories are fun. So it's like, are we going to be modern day or is this kind of back in the day a little bit? I don't know. He didn't bug me too much in Captain Marvel, he'll say. It bothered me. I think of the people he ha- that have been de-aged, he is probably one of the best examples. Yeah. But I, I just find well, he looks fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Because that's the thing is, like in Captain Marvel, it didn't bother me at all. But there is definitely folks that have been de-aged that I find really creepy and awful. You mean all of the not the Departed, all of um, the Irishmen? Yeah, all of that. Yeah, and then also um, like. I'd never loved, like, Robert Downey Jr. in, the, in some of the movies and stuff. Oh, I my didn't God. Like that. So like, creepy. No, I hated that. Um, I, hated I think that. even Civil War, they were doing that, right? And I didn't love that. Or, um, or, I mean, I don't think even putting Chris Evans's head on the tiny Captain America body. And yes, that, oh, that was came out however so long awful. ago. But... That was very, it was very Gollum for me. It didn't, didn't yeah. translate. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I am really yeah. not a fan of that movie. And I know that that's I'm with you. I'm, a, I'm with you on that unpopular opinion. Um, yeah. I'm not big on the Captain America movies in general. Okay, Winter Soldier is my favorite Marvel film, but the first one I could take it or leave it. I fell asleep during opening night of Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. I forgot I'm busy today, so I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) In in fairness, I think I was like sick or something like that. And I don't, sometimes I fall asleep in movies, but, but I fell asleep during like fight sequence and I woke up and I was like, oh, okay, well, we're still going yeah. and nothing has progressed, right? Didn't miss any of the story. It was just a very long fight su- sequence. I also fell asleep during opening night of episode three of Star Wars during the really long Obi-Wan fight sequence. Oh, yeah. Like the lizard stuff. That, so, like, I, I'm prone to fall that I fully support. And I was going to say, your, your, your Winter Soldier is very much the same exact story of my Dark Knight story. Like everyone oh. thinks I'm crazy, but I was at the midnight show for that. And I actually, full transparency, went because I wanted to see the Watchmen trailer. On. I mean, I was going to watch this movie, but I was like really excited. That was back when you couldn't just always just watch them online all the time. And it was like, it was debuting yeah. on that movie. And I was like, I got to go. Yep. And I went with a friend and, and it's happened every time since that I've tried to watch the movie. It's when some people say it parts, but he's like in the, the semi truck, the Joker and him on the street and the semi truck flips. And I just pass out. And then oh. I wake up, I wake up and the Joker's in prison. And I thought it was almost over. My friend's like, dude, there's like an hour and 20 minutes left. I was like, oh. <laughs> no, I, we've, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's, it's very creepy, but I have the same exact experience. I fall asleep in the semi-truck car chase all the time, or at least. I've only seen it a couple of times, but every time I've seen it, it's very bizarre. Yeah, I, think, I think it speaks to how, especially blockbusters, feel like they have to do these huge, crazy, continuing to top each other chases. And I'm like, is it progressing the story? Yeah. If not, I don't care. Yeah, especially when, when your movies when your movies already two and a half hours or whatever, you know, it's right. kind of like how much fluff do we need as far as? But I mean, people go to these for action and stuff, which is what's funny is you read it if you read a comic book, it's like of course there's action sequences and these kind of things and everything, but it's not the main focal point at all. That they're always story driven because you can't right. just read pages about a fight scene because that doesn't excite people. So right. it's like it's funny that we have kind of translated where these big budget superhero films have to be action films. You know what I mean? It is interesting. I think it speaks to a certain genre of film though. Like I would say like Fast and Furious literally is just about getting car chases to be more and more ridiculous. Like I don't think that they- In space. I I mean, I have 100% not seen one in a really long time. So I can't, I don't know where the franchise is right now, but I- We definitely had some beverages and went and saw Fast Five together, remember? That was- 
<laughs> that was an interesting experience. <laughs> I went and saw Hobbs and Shaw only because The Rock was in it, and I must see must almost see. anything The Rock is in. And okay. let me tell you, it was not it was not great. So we're like li we're lining up for Jungle Cruise, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, we are. <laughs> That's the one we can like all agree on. <laughs> I just feel like there's a genre. There's like a place yes. for those those people. The people who watch the Transformers movies, those people go to watch action sequences. But I think you can do action and you can do it concisely and you can do it in a fun way, but yeah. it doesn't have to be like, there still has to be a story. And even, even action sequences should tell a story, right? Like they yeah. should have a beginning, middle, oh, end. And yes. I feel like- yes, yeah. we, we all agree bad, that. My bad. I will say, I mean like 100% you're <laughs> preaching to the choir. I but, know, I know. But there is a genre of people that don't care. Yeah. Um, about the plot and just want to see cars blow up and, and yeah. stuff so I mean and it's it's a valid form of entertainment not my cup of tea personally but what our floats your boat I differentiate it between yeah, action for action's sake and I always say like if the stakes are there then I care about the what, what the outcome of the sequence is you could make it pretty decently long like for example to go back to Winter Soldier that Nick Fury I don't know if you remember it Dana but that Nick Fury car chase with cars being driven for him and they're after him and Winter Soldier's after him and stuff, no one knows what's going on, is one of my favorite car chase sequences in any film. For a while after that, you actually do think Nick Fury was killed. So it's like this interesting, the stakes felt heavy for me. So it like, I cared enough about the outcome of this that I was on pins and needles watching that. You know, or a movie like, to totally sidetrack, Jackie also loves this. I think, Dan, I'm not sure if we talked about this, but District 9. Like, oh, I entire, love District 9. I mean, the entire film, but the entire like last half hour of that film, which is pretty action driven. I'm on, I mean, if anything happens to Christopher Robin and his son, I have to leave. It's like that kind of like, you're, you're, you're I just care so much. Wait, did like, you call him Christopher Robin? Wasn't his name Christopher Robin? Oh. Is it, that's the kid from Winnie the Pooh. I know, but didn't they call the, didn't they call the alien Christopher Robin? Am I insane? Did person? they? It's something generic like that. I, let me, I gotta know. Yes. I mean, I also have not seen District 9 in a very long time, so it's very possible. That I just that hold is... that name out. Yeah, that, what, what is his It was name? definitely Christopher, I thought, but I don't remember Robin. Christopher Johnson. Johnson. I would like to see Johnson. the District 9 Winnie the Pooh mashup with Christopher <laughs> Robin and like crab I would hands. not, honestly. <laughs> the thing is, is like, I remember turning to Matt at the end of that movie and being like, I'm not going to be okay. <laughs> I was so stressed out by the end of that film. But I think the action in that film accomplishes it well, and there's yes, stakes, yeah. and totally. there's- That's what I mean, is I cared about what happened at the end of it. And yeah. most of these action sequences, and I will, I mean, I love Winter Soldier, but I will say there are some sequences in that that get a little long, and are maybe for the focus of watching her fight, which I also love watching Black Widow fight, so I'm okay, uh, but- Again, we're gonna have yeah. to agree. Oh, see, I would, see, I would give Widow more fight sequences than that. I think, I, I don't know, I, I'm, yeah, we agree to disagree, but like that movie for me, the sequences, I look forward to every single action one in that movie because I just love them. I'll give you that they give, on screen, they give Black Widow the most creative fighting mm. style. I think that they have developed a fighting style for her and they have, because she is not a superhero in the way that the others are just like, punchy, punch, punch, you know, she has to leverage her techniques. I think the one that comes to mind for me recently, that's just such a, the perfect example of action done poorly in a comic film is Venom and that mm. end sequence and it's just it's dark and it's these cg blobs forever fighting each other and the other thing with comics and i struggle with this is like you know how it's going to end you you know the good guys will probably prevail and that they're going to survive and that these and there's some of it's the business side right you know this actor has however many years on this contract and this and that and so just to bring it completely back to like the nick fury thing i think if they do kind of do his young adventures for me, that misses some of the stakes, yeah. right? It's like, oh, well, we know he survives. We yeah. know we know he'll be fine. We know he'll form the Avengers eventually. Yeah. So it's not potentially as interesting to me as using Nick Fury to advance the MCU or the whatever we're calling it now, since it's not yeah. just cinematic. No, it's an absolutely valid point. Cause like, I will say in this, that actually brought to mind another potentially controversial opinion, but I'm a huge, huge solo fan. I really liked solo as far as the new Star Wars. Okay, this conversation though. is over. Thank you for your time. Well, let's Never just say, <laughs> but, but to that point, what I found really interesting about that is we all knew that Han was gonna live. We all knew Chewie was gonna live. We all knew Lando was gonna live. So I thought that whether we like or dislike the film, I thought that the power of, I mean, trust me, I wanted Tandy Newton. I wanted Val to live the whole time. I actually think the movie would've been more interesting if she took the place of Woody Harrelson's character. But the fact that they killed her off so quickly 
to me, set the stakes for it. it was like, okay, any of these other characters are set up to die at any time. They opened it up and be like, hey, by the way, you thought this was a main character. Well, she's dead 20 minutes in. And I liked that. And so there, there's interesting ways to do it where they make you really care about another character, knowing Nick's not going to die. But as much as I think the espionage and all that kind of stuff is cool and fun, I would be totally open to it being modern day, of course, for sure. We'll yeah, see. I actually like solo as well. I enjoy solo. I, I will be very honest and say I enjoy basically all Star Wars movies all the time for the most part. So it's possible I'm one of those people. I don't hate the prequels as much as everyone else does. Of course, yes, there are some, it's hard to get through some of them. Like, when is the last time you rewatched them is my this question year. I didn't this year, okay, year. Like, we did it together all right all right, all right, um, all right. and so uh, the problem is is I have a very deep love for Padme Amidala and so and most of her you know and all of her stuff is in the prequels it's difficult for me because I have a strong love for certain things and then uh, not others but anyway so Solo did it for me also did a good decent job of keeping the stakes up but Nick Fury totally happy to see whatever they have him in. I think he does a great job. I think I'm not even Samuel L. Jackson's biggest fan, but I think that his Nick Fury is pretty fantastic. So. Yeah, Fury made me a bigger fan of it. I, mean, I like him fine, but around his time of like snakes on a plane and stuff where he kind of became his own caricature of Shaft all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. I, I started kind of getting sick of it, but then I don't know, Nick Fury really like revitalized him for me a lot. And I, I really enjoyed him throughout all the Marvel films. I started with Iron Man too. I, I almost feel like he's he, he was the best in Captain Marvel. Like, I feel like that sort of buddy cop thing they had going was really fun. It worked really well. Yeah. I think I, I'm a big Sam Jackson fan. And I do I do acknowledge that he kind of did become a caricature, oh, yeah, but yeah. I think he owned it all the time. So it was, you know, it wasn't grating for me. But it's the news that he was willing to be on Disney Plus, I think for me was actually the biggest get, right? Because we do, sure, you know, Scarlett Johansson. As far as, as I say, as far as like characters from the Marvel Universe who have gotten Disney Plus shows, like he is the biggest caliber get, you know. We've got Sebastian. That, yeah, and, and that he was willing Mackie, to do because you know, I think like, the other thing about they, Samuel. You know, I, I love them, but you know, they're doing right. I love them too, but their, not, that, but their, their life right now is this Marvel. Yeah. Sam Jackson doesn't need that's this. That's true. Right, that's the thing. Sam Jackson doesn't need this. He's at the point in his career he could do whatever he wanted, which <laughs> right. is clearly what he has done. Since on the plane. No, he's earned it. He's earned it. Yeah. Which, which is fine. If I, if I was offered, yeah, if I was offered that, and I was like, yeah, that's sure, whatever. That sounds fun and easy. I'll do that. So I think for him being willing to even even if it's going to be guesting on a couple of the series, right? I think that's still a big get. And the fact that he was also willing to be on yeah. Agents of Shield was interesting to me. You know, he's one of the few people who crossed over onto yeah. network television from the MCU. I would love to see so those contracts. I really want to know what they paid him to do that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I oh love that God, stuff. Oh my God, I know. I know, it's like yeah. Chadwick Boseman, I read recently, shared his salary with Sienna Miller for 21 Jump Street. Yeah, she came out saying that. Oh yeah, to, in order wow. to get. Yeah. So good. They're good people out there. But we'll see. I, totally, I'm excited yeah. to see him. No, and I mean, and, and you know, we kind of talked about you know, our theories about WandaVision and stuff and kind of like, it seems very clear they're doing a House of M type of thing and stuff. And if you think about the fallout of mm -hmm. that and what becomes after, and I think it's pretty, I don't know that it, I, I don't remember if it's just a theory right now or it's confirmed, but that Wanda is kind of going to be a big bad in, in uh, Doctor Strange, if I remember correctly, or she's at least in it and people are theorizing. Oh. And so she's in it. And I think I that think everyone's theorizing based everyone's on the theorizing that she'll be because the WandaVision stuff makes it look right. like she's going right. crazy. And Doctor Strange is such a pivotal character in House of M in, in, as far as trying to combat her. Right. So people are basically thinking that right. the, they're calling it his movie, but it's really going to be at like a House of M type yeah. film. I mean, yeah. yeah, that is a smart way to bring it over from the Disney Plus shows. And again, I don't think the, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff was particularly right. elegant in how they crossed over and you know, because there was a, a time where I was watching Agents, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they were like, oh, if you want to know what events happen, you have to yeah. watch this. And it turned out not to be so true. You know, you, right. you, it, it just... helped. But I do think they are setting us up to oh, yeah. force us no, to, totally, to, to make to it Disney actually Plus matter. And, and I was going to say to that point, we don't here. know, yeah. I guess, when Nick Fury, if this is his show, when it's filming and when it's taking place. However, if you think of like House of M and how Professor X kind of is the one who is like starting this whole conversation, like, what do we do about Wanda? I could see Nick taking that role here, right. I guess. So it makes mm -hmm. me wonder if they'll use what 
a bunch of different things to bridge and kind of set up a Disney Plus event that leads to this movie, you know, which is kind of cool. That would be really cool. Yeah. Unpopular wild theory. So again, we've talked about this, that at some point, these actors' contracts are going to run out. There's a sad business yeah. side to this. And so is this the end of Nick Fury? Maybe it is. This, yeah. Is this the way? Because again, Sam Jackson yeah. can do whatever he wants. And maybe he really enjoys this role. And I do love that like, the comic Nick Fury is based on Sam Jackson at some point. But it's, it's like, okay, well, House of M is the big recast opportunity. Yeah. Does this come into play? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't see why not. Or you, or you have someone else lead S.H.I.E.L.D., you know what I mean? And you start, because, you know, we could easily do that too. But God forbid it could, it could be like the white version of Nick Fury, you know, because like historically he, the character has been white before. We recast it, yeah. but it's a it's an alternate universe. That's why, or, or it's just somebody else. That's right? what like I mean. Is no, you, you could Fury's get rid no of him eventually and have, you know. And you could put Maria Hill there pretty mm-hmm. easily. She's been mm-hmm. in the MCU, but not featured very yeah. well. And more, more Colby is always great. I mean, who doesn't love a Colby? And Stumptown just got booted i'm not gonna lie i didn't realize that show lasted as long as it did like i'm shocked <laughs> it's only what it was only a season i know i thought it was gonna get canceled like three episodes in did you watch like, it, it was really good no i didn't watch it but but they were oh. shilling it so hard just the way they were advertising it i was like this seems like they are very desperate and that it was either like oh. watch it in the first three or it's going away. And so the fact that it did make it to a full season is impressive. Got its full season I was, yeah, I, I was just, oh. it's, it's not a judgment on the show itself, but the advertising for the show. It was really good. Mm-hmm. But I actually, I, I really did like the comic too. So I don't know, maybe I got buy in there. So. Didn't even know it was based on a comic. They did a very bad job <laughs> advertising the show. <laughs> what isn't, what isn't these days? Dana, that's don't you know everything's true. based on a comic? Yep. <laughs> Every, that's honestly, oh God, what did I watch last year? That was some like female criminal movie. The Kitchen, The Kitchen, and it's like oh, based yeah, on a yeah, comic. And I was yeah, like, novel, what? Com- yeah. mm-hmm. Which is fine, yeah. you know, comics are totally a valid choice. Totally, of- but it's just, yeah, it's funny because it's yeah. like everything is- no, Nothing gets made it. unless it's uh, got source material. This right. is true. These days, they need that proven audience before they, they take the chance. They do, but back to Nick Fury and whatever, I would love to see like someone like Maria Hill get yeah. more action. Handed the torch. I, or I also, you know, I'm over here being, I, we don't know what's going to come of, of Widow and her film and things like that, but. If it ever you know, comes out. I know. Uh, Stop. I know, so Which sick. brings us to our but, next point, but go on. I know, but, but like not knowing what, where that's going to leave us. And even though that takes place before Endgame, of course, but we still don't know. I mean, those comics are so loaded with let's switch bodies. Let's this mm-hmm. and that with, with Yelena Belova, you know, and like who is obviously Florence Pugh in the movie. And so I have all these weird theories in my mind, but you, we don't know. Maybe Scarlet is coming back and also with, with Guardians 3, you know, going and trying to, we don't know what's going to happen with the people that are trapped in the Soul Stone. You know, Natasha would be one of them. So maybe she's going to surprise come back. Or maybe Yellen is going to kind of take the widow mantle up. We don't know. But whatever it is, and we see there's all these other widows and stuff, I would love to see a widow like leading S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, which I think would be really fun because they've made Natasha such a right hand man of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. With Fury, I think that's kind of cool. Right, right hand woman of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right hand woman, yes, yes. Forgive me. Yes. Cap- <laughs> Captain, in the comics, Captain Marvel actually does lead. That uh, is what I'm hoping. That seems point. like what they're setting up, definitely. So, I could see that for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love a widow, but I, I think they're sort of ending her storylines and kind of, do I want them to? No. No, but- totally. I just feel like they've mm-hmm. made Carol's story in the films and kind of, I think what they're setting up with what seems to be the scroll wars and things like that. I kind of think what they're setting with her is so cosmic and so out there that it's like, would it be worthy of her time to be here on Earth leading S.H.I.E.L.D.? You know what I mean? Like, I would love I it, but, but would it be? But with the way they've set it up, I don't know. But yeah, I that's would, true. Be for it. They could maybe, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we could also, it could lead us into like an A-team situation where mm-hmm. we get more galactic uh, female superheroes and stuff, but. Yeah, no, there's so many possibilities, you know. Speaking of Black Widow, which we will apparently never see. Just <laughs> <laughs> pushing that whole slate back. I think it's the right call though. Like I, I'm supportive yeah. of it. These are films that we want to see in a theater. Yeah, I, it's, yeah. It's, it's this weird kind of double edge where I'm kind of like, I, I understand their decision fully. However, 
I look at it kind of, and also obviously you're talking so I have a bias because I have been going to movies when I've wanted to see movies, but it's a thing where also as movie theaters continue to just kind of not be able to get their footing back, if, if new movies stop coming out, they will not be able to survive. So it's this thing of, you know, you need the new movies so that they can start surviving and we can start moving toward that. But then it's, you want the, I get that you can't even see the theater that is open right now more than 30%. So like, what is an opening night? You know, like a sold out film is right. a third of what normally it is. So like their, their take home is going to be somewhat so different. So I get it from the company standpoint. Without the movies, you can't get a crowd. Without the crowd, right. they're not going to release the movies. So yeah. it sort of ends up in a kind of weird place. My guess would be that they don't want to release anything until there's a large percentage of movie theaters open. Yeah, the problem is LA and also New York, two of the biggest markets in America are not open yet as far as theaters go. And so, but then we're looking at, are we getting ahead of ourselves here? Because we're looking at, you know, like we still are in a pandemic. So it's like yeah. to that point, that's Disney. That's what they're thinking is, well, again, even if they were all open, you know, everyone's looking at the numbers that Tenet's pulling in or has pulled in yeah. and it's pulling in fine numbers for the circumstances, but it's not pulling in numbers that any real blockbuster film wants to have. You look at it and they're looking at that and they're like, okay, well, we got to wait until we're in a better spot. But then it's, you know, I'm over here selfishly worried about movie theaters. So I'm just like, no, ah. I mean, of course, I'm very <laughs> worried about movie yeah. theaters. My local movie theater that I never went to because I always went to the AMC instead yeah. has been doing things where you can buy concessions. And so I've been buying concessions from them just so I, can, so I can keep them afloat. Because yeah, it's literally like, it's like 100% of it goes to employee benefits. Because mm -hmm. they yeah. furloughed everyone's and no one's getting paid, but they're still paying for their health care. Yeah. And so it just goes towards the health care of the employees. So I've been trying to do that once a week. Yeah, I've been doing that El Capitan a little bit and they've been doing their fun. They had a little Mulan thing. So I went and got the big bucket, Mulan bucket. Yeah, and, and brought um, it back to watch it. <laughs> and, and this theater has been doing pop drive-in pop-ups. Yeah, which is cool. Parking lots and stuff. So I've been, I went to a couple of those too. Yeah. They, and then sad. I, yeah. <laughs> I did, I it on a drive in a drive-in, I know it's, you know, we, we, we offline, I think talked about this, like it was so hard to find anywhere near us, at least with Jackie and me playing it at a drive-in theater. But I, I do think there's going to be a certain point where that might be the route they pursue. Otherwise they're just going to have mm -hmm. to keep pushing their entire slate back, especially because of the way they've structured yeah. this film leads into that film leads into that film and everything's a sequel and connected and this and that. Like that is yeah. the, the biggest downside probably at this point of everything being a sequel and based on something and all tied together is like, you can't move them around. They're not, they're yeah, no longer modular. That's, yeah. That's the thing with the Marvel. It gets kind of tough. And in my most selfish desires, I was thinking like, can't they just broker a deal with a theater for like Widow where they release it and there's like a two week exclusivity window in theaters or something and then they're able to do their Mulan thing on Disney Plus. Oh, with I think it, they're they going to still, look at that. I, I know obviously a theater normal, theater chains normally wouldn't be okay with that. But right now I think they would probably take what they could get. Mm -hmm with a big release. So like if you had some sort of exclusive period that's short that the theater has it and no one else can have it unless you're in a theater and then do the Disney Plus. And I can tell you right now as somebody who, I mean, Natasha for me just is, has always been just a big, 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 one of my absolute favorites, comic characters, movie character. I love, I just love her. And someone as crazy as me, I'm telling you, I'll go to the theater to see that a certain amount of times and I'll still pay $30 in Disney Plus and watch it too, if it's good. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, you drove but like they're gonna get... artist, so yes, we know you are dedicated to this. But they'll, they'll, get, they'll, get, they'll get my money. So, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I know there's other yeah, people, but, you know, not enough. Problem, but... It's hard because I'm that type of person also, but most people aren't. Most people aren't. So yeah, most people don't even go see it in the theater. So yeah, it's... Uh, well, I think we're also, again, the, the biggest kind of storm cloud over this is the pandemic. And right. is it safe for people to go to a theater? Even if it, right. even if they open, that doesn't mean people should go as much yeah. as we want to go. And I'm going to segue into our next thing, which is even if you can, for some reason, hold a convention in Los Angeles, <laughs> LA Comic Con, <laughs> that doesn't you? mean you should. <laughs> Because LA Comic-Con has decided that December of 2020, they're going to hold an in-person convention, which is about the stupidest thing I've... No, it's not the stupidest thing I've heard this year because we've lived through 2020, because, but... Because yeah. 2020 is a lot. Yeah. But but any other year, it may have been the stupidest thing that ever happened. <laughs> right. Um, that, ever, that ever happened. This is, a, this is like number 200 <laughs> on the list of stupid things that have happened. It's it's probably even lower down on the list than that, but... No, it's probably not very high, but for hyperbole's sake, this is yeah. very, very, very awful. I'm just, I'm shocked yeah. because the amount of advertising materials that must be going into being like, no, come to Comic-Con is insane. Why are you wasting that right now only to have it be canceled in right. or or become a super spreader event? 
Like totally. No, totally. And and I mean, that's the thing too is LA Comic Con, it, it's not exactly known for being like, you know, this a thing draw, where it's yeah. like, yeah, like a big, you might get, it's like you really are just a bunch of people walking around a merch hall, really. Like, I mean, you have some panels and this and that, but how often are you like, oh yeah, there was this panel at LA Comic Con I heard about. You know what I mean? It's literally, <laughs> it goes, it's like San Diego, WonderCon, and then honestly probably New York Comic Con. Maybe that's a little on par with WonderCon that you're kind of like, you hear about those Emerald things. City maybe. But like, I mean, there's, there's, the, there's the one in Brazil, I want to say, that's really mm-hmm. big actually that they send, I think because the international markets, that one is. Pretty, right, right. It's, I've seen the crowds that I am like, this is bonkers and I think we don't understand yeah. the international the scope of the international box office totally yeah that we, yeah we, no yeah. LA Comic Con to me is like I was like oh that's cute that's yeah like is it, I mean I live in L- I live in LA and I, I actually haven't gone to it and it's not like I'm like avoiding it I just <laughs> haven't thought to go to it and it doesn't as much as I'm a con person it doesn't even normally come across my desk of hey you should do this like as yeah. far as like a I don't know how they're advertising it usually, but it's not coming to me. I actually hear about, I think, Long Beach Comic Con more than I Yeah, I've heard about that one, but I mean, the the amount of press they got off this thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it got got in front of me and I was like, oh, wow. And it's it's very interesting. I want to be a fly that can go and like see how they're doing it, but I don't want to go. So it's like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, but I want to be able to like, I mean, kind of astral project and kind of, I want to witness it because I just want to know what are they, what are they doing? I would watch the live feed of the hall. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I would, I would, I wouldn't pay, but I'd watch that Twitch stream or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just, I don't understand. I just, it makes me really sad and scared. And I'm like, who is gonna? Who are the people who are going? Because no, you should know better. Yeah, you yeah. are cosplayers in masks. Maybe that might help slightly mitigate. But what are you gonna stand six feet apart? Part That's of these the thing is, I mean, like those photo ops and yeah, we've no. all been in a vendor hall. You can't. Right. You can't do it. As far as like completely distancing yourself from everybody that you don't know, you, you just can't do it. You know, right. it's like, it's just, it's, it's not. Visible. I guess Dragon Con is a big one, but that seems like the goal mm-hmm. is more, it's, it's really cosplay based and people are getting in photos and doing all these really very right. cool sort of visual collaborations. But you, what are you going to do that six feet apart? You could do that six feet apart, I guess, but I don't think LA Comic Con is doing that. And then there's that whole entire business model of the smaller cons, which is, or not the smaller cons, but like POW, I want to say, runs them. No, that's mm-hmm. Stanley's. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. But the but the ones that's basically like an opportunity for fans to take a photo with or whoever. And right. Wizards, something. Wizard, wizard, thank you. Yes. Wizard, yeah, wizard. yeah. They're not going to get next to two hundred, a thousand people, and take a photo op after photo op after photo op. I hope not. I hope no person who is talented enough to be in the position where they have made some impact on society that people want to take a photo with them is forced to do that at this point because never. Yeah. That's how you get COVID. <sighs> yeah, I mean. I think we still need things like Comic-Cons, and I feel like if they can do more vir- virtual versions of it, I think that was pretty cool of San Diego Comic-Con, some of the virtual stuff, and yeah, I'm not opposed to people still putting on events, but I just, in-person is crazy. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. why would you yeah. do that? I mean, come up with some more creative ways. Example, I, I, I love drag shows, and they're actually doing drive-through, drive-in drag shows in my area. They're setting up a stage, and people are you know, using drive-through, and I guess they're going to project it probably onto the screen behind them or whatever. That's super yeah. fun. Or we've seen, or at least I've seen photos of drive-in movie premieres where the mm-hmm. cast and crew or whoever come out, and it's not, you know, it's not as glamorous, but you really totally. need to celebrate something. I, that's the other thing. I don't feel like this is celebrating anything. I feel like this is just unfortunate business opportunity. Yeah, no, it is. It's like we want to putting people at risk. Know. And people missed going to all these other cons they can go to this year. So hopefully they'll come to this. It's like that kind of thing. But yeah, no, the drive-in premiere thing, your fave, when I was actually gone out of town to see it, but um, Rose Bowl did, I think from New Mutants, they did like a, a premiere weekend mm-hmm. thing. And yeah. they did like a big, I think it was all drive-in. That was super cool. You know, like that they think to do stuff like that, I think. Yeah, come up with a way for us to get involved in, in a not in-person sort of way. Mm. I know it's not the easiest thing to do yeah. and we've never all done it before, but I mean... Yeah. People are desperate for entertainment. I mean, totally. And there's all kinds of things that are getting creative. You know, the the crazy dark creature over here that I am and living for Halloween all October, like I've been looking at all these different events. I'm usually that guy who I go to Universal Horror Nights and I'm at Six Flags. I'm at Not Not Scary Farm every year, like doing those stupid mazes and stuff. That's obviously a no go this year. But there's a lot of different things popping up where it's like a weird kind of drive through experience, which is obviously you can't have people, you can't have people like popping out at you and stepping on your gas. Obviously, there's, it's not going to be like some same kind of thing, but it's interesting. And I'm actually going with 
my niece to do like a drive-through like jack-o'-lantern experience where you can go and there's a bunch of all these jack-o'-lanterns would be you know it's like a mile that i think normally you walk but you're just doing it really slowly driving people are getting creative doing stuff like that so um um, winchester mystery house is opening back up and what they're doing is that it's like audio tours but flashlights so they're just letting people in i mean there's a lot less people right and so they're letting people in small groups to go in yeah. with their flashlights and just do I was like say the f- audio tour. You've instead. just described my actual nightmare is being left alone in that house in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, as I say, I've, I've done that. Their flashlight tour is actually always an audio tour in the last several years. Oh, and so like, it makes sense that they're it. able to, to do it's that. Not accessible, yeah, it's not accessible, so I've never actually been, but. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the Alcatraz thing. You just get like a, you can do a recorder and you listen and they, they go through and you, it tells you like where to go, but you just have a flashlight. Yeah. I've actually also never done Alcatraz, which is a point of pride for me as a Bay Area native at this point, Ooh. where I'm just like, it's been... I, the, I never have either. I spent the night in Alcatraz. Why? Yeah. For a, a photo experience, I, for a um, photography assignment, I was yeah. in, photo, in school, and we had to kind of do a thing where there's no, well, there's electricity, because, you know, but there's no, like, electric, you know, it's like, it was like, stay in a cell, and you can wander around at night in certain areas. We all kind of bunked up and it was taking pictures throughout the throughout the night um, with different exposures to practice, not using flash photography and kind of trying to expose for all kinds sort of things. What fancy practices. school did you get to go to? Uh, the fancy, fancy school of San Jose State University. It was a retreat thing and I, yeah, and I said, okay. So of course I did it. That's fair. <laughs> I was like, I get yeah. to sleep on Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah, I've never been to Alcatraz. Very neat. Is it, is it like, accessible or is it? Have they made it's it? It's actually very accessible. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Not until like recently, ten years assume. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I've had less opportunity than my whole life to go there, but yeah. still. Oh, at this point, I'm gonna try and go my whole life without going. That's my yeah. new. Goal. I'm like, I'm the most, I'm the most Bay Area of us all, and I no longer even move there. <laughs> I know that um yeah it's like those people who have the points of pride where they're like I've never seen Titanic what <laughs> even like, I've seen yeah and I'm just like and I'm just like yeah okay you're missing out on a very good film so like actually <laughs> I will say one of my closest friends from growing up did not see Star Wars until a few years ago yes that Matt is making a face because this is eventually a podcast and people cannot see He's this shocked face. I, I don't understand how she has been really close friends with me. Like she's one of my best friends to this point and not understood what I've been saying until recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then it just goes into like, how do you feel like fulfilled? Like how are you living a fulfilling life? I, I, yeah, I they're don't. Not. They're really, really not. She I, did then finally see them all and like even went to the theaters to see the new ones. So I was like, okay. We've, she's safe. We, yeah. I, I do and know now she's, And now person. she's mad at you. She's like, well, you got me to, you got me to do it. And then look what you put me through. Yep. That's yeah, true. <laughs> Pretty she's much like, it. how dare. How dare. No, I actually do know someone who hasn't seen the Star Wars movies, but I don't think that they have good taste. So it's fine. Well, that's. I think you'd be like, but I don't talk to them anymore. I used to know somebody. You're like, oh. <laughs> I used to know. <laughs> I met someone once. I did. Somebody that I, I used like, to know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, bye. <laughs> Yeah. That's something I can't deal with. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm just, part of me is just impressed when people have not seen some things of that level of cultural zeitgeist, you know? I'm, yeah. Like, that's just kind of a little bit impressive. Yeah. I mean, in no, a way, but like, yeah. I would want to know what people are talking about more often. Yes. No, totally. But it's like, but it's this thing where it's like, so, I mean, some things are so just embedded in my DNA that I can't remember a time before having seen them or experienced them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you look at it and you're like, well, how did you avoid it? Like, right. you know what I'm I mean? Because like, it's just been such universe, a part of my life. Right. How did the yeah. universe align in such a way that it wasn't on TV? It wasn't whatever. It, you just never. You were never at a friend's yeah. house while they were watching yeah. it. You never like, at my just... house watching it? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. So random. I, I do think it's a testament to our friendship that we managed to, we've, we are still friends to this day and <laughs> that it took until, even through the period of her not having seen Star Wars. So there you go. Uh, she did it see all helped. the Lord of the Rings with me. So that was at least, we got- It we really, really, that. really, it goes to show how magnanimous of a person you are, Dana. I know, thank you, thank you. Yeah. That's really what this story was. A, was the end <laughs> it really was. <laughs> was like, I'm, give pat, I'm giving you a virtual pat on the back. Oh, thank you, thank you. Socially yeah. distanced, yeah. yeah. Socially distanced, but, oh man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a wild world out there. And especially, I was gonna say, I don't think they've ever been on like a streaming service like Netflix or anything or until Disney Plus. It's yeah, there's just at this point so many things that really? are like we're on Netflix. So far, were they on there? <laughs> For a while. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Well there you go. And then you just you just have no excuse. Like that point where it's just you can access this stuff so easily. I do think that is how she eventually <laughs> watched yeah. it. But it took yeah. I, I knew it was something I could not force her into and so she 
came to it. She saw the light. Oh, on yeah. Because sometimes that ends up being the, you know, that the body all for yourself. Yeah. It's like if you kind of force someone into something, they're like, okay, they're going to go into it. And obviously when she went into it, the expectations that she had on it were beyond, I'm sure, because of the mania of it all. Yeah. But a friend being like, oh, you have to watch this. It's amazing. Can make you even more kind of, okay, what's this all about? And then she sees it and it's just, well, that was, that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was just, you know. Well, like, that, or it just becomes... Yeah, or I'm exactly. just a contrary type person and I just don't, I can't make you happy in that way. That's true. You know? That's a whole, that's a whole nother level. That's a whole nother level, but that's, that can be me sometimes. It's true. Just, don't force should, me into things. I know. I was like, this, we should not have joined something where we are forced to watch something each week. Slash right. Force ourselves <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Nobody's forcing us. Yeah. No, no, no one's true. forcing us. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. I did. I didn't force you, but I did ask you to watch Enola Holmes this week. See, I had to pause you did. to say it. You did, yeah. You uh, graciously obliged. So what did we I do did. with that? I'm, I'm so magnanimous. <laughs> you are. This is just a pat's <laughs> on the back for Jackie now. This is just I mean, pat's on the back. What about me? I watched it. We'll get, we'll get to you. <laughs> well, Someday. God, You'll have your the white, the white male in the <laughs> yeah. Excuse you. I want pats. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm used to getting congratulated for everything I do. So um, that's that's been my experience. Congratulations so I, for I, existing. There's your pat on the back. Thank you. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever done that for me. I have yeah. been so put down by society. Yeah. yeah. No, um, I've been wanting to watch Enola Holmes since I saw the trailer. So I was very- I actually knew very little about it. So, I mean, I knew I had heard that it was coming and that kind of thing, but I hadn't really looked much into it. So you bringing it up kind of made me look into it more. I was like, oh, right, I did hear about that. But I, you know, it wasn't on my, like, radar as something that was... I never read the books, but I was always a massive, like, Nancy Drew fan as a child. So these sorts of movies would have been way up my alley. Yeah, It felt, I, it felt very Nancy Drew. It felt Nancy. I thought it was super cute. I thought it was fun, and it, it was giving me that Nancy Drew vibe. And I was kind of like, this kind of felt what the modern-day kind of attempts at Nancy Drew. I know there was, like, an Emma Roberts, and it's not, like, kind of wants and should be, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I will say I am always, and I, I should have known with, you know, obviously looking at writing credits and stuff and, you know, Fleabag and all that. I am historically somebody who like really, really does not like when, when our characters talk to the camera. I really mm. can't stand it. Same. Sometimes it's okay for me. This, it was detracting for me a bit, but it, I got over it enough because I thought she was cute enough as a character and just fun. Like things where it kind of like, I was, I forgave it and I laughed sometimes when she, with the things she was saying at the camera. And I thought it fit the quirky vibe of it all. Another one that it worked for me on actually was earlier this year on High Fidelity, the show with Zoe Kravitz. I actually, it worked for me okay in that too, but most times I, I can't get behind it. Yeah, most of the time that is not a thing I enjoy. I don't like breaking the fourth wall very much. I don't really think it's needed. I just think it's sometimes, but it's very rare to me that the story mm -hmm. actually calls for it. And it's usually lazy storytelling. So I was going to say, I think it's rarely needed, but when it is employed correctly, I think it is great. It can like, add yeah, to it's, it, yeah. it's few and far between that it is employed correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, did, how did you feel about it in this, Dana? It, it, not gonna lie, it graded on me a little bit in the beginning, but I do think having Millie Bobby Brown is just charming, and I think having yeah. her do it tempered it a lot. But we're not gonna talk super in depth about it. But Devil All the Time, which Matt and I watched, it didn't have fourth wall breaking, but it did have a lot of voiceover to it. And I watched Narration. it back to back, yeah, mm. and I was just like, uh, I just don't like this as a device in general. <laughs> It's that same oh, kind yeah. of thing. I like I like a prologue narration, like say Lord of the Rings is totally like that, I think that, it's yeah, flawless angel. But when you have to narrate throughout your entire film, I think that you're not writing it strongly enough. I just don't. You shouldn't have to tell us what the characters are thinking. You should just be showing. Well, us. my yeah, that's my biggest problem with narration in films is that it's a show medium. It's not a mm -hmm. tell medium. Mm -hmm. And so if you have mm -hmm. to have narration to tell me what's happening, you are not telling a very good film. You know, you're not making a very good film, telling a very good film story, but yeah. Like there's a better way to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One of the biggest challenges of any Sherlock or Holmes based thing is that these characters are supposed to be so smart and so, so much smarter than the rest of us that they have mm -hmm. to explain their logic, right? They don't actually yeah. have to, but that is the kind of device that they're employing. And I think having her be young helps, right? Because yeah. it's like, yes, yeah, she's clearly smarter than the rest of us, but she's yeah. still coming into coming into her powers. I don't know, she's a witch. Um, yeah, her abilities. Her strength as a, as a woman, yeah. yeah. I, I felt like it was rushed. I felt like I would have mm -hmm. loved a miniseries of this. 
I thought it could have been a miniseries. I and thought that, when I saw the trailer, it was a TV series. And then I, I think, was you, yeah, I remember you said that you were like, oh, and then yeah, I think Dana told us, she's like, oh, it's a film. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it could have totally been. And I, I will say to that point of them being so smart and kind of having to, I, I think that while it has its flaws and stuff, I actually quite liked the um, the guy Ritchie, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, the first mm-hmm. one with Jude it's Law. It's similar to that too. It's got that feel. And it got that kind of vibe. And I, I kind of liked how the way they wrote that character was so just kind of like, he's literally describing his thought process as he's doing all the mm-hmm. stuff because he's that much of, he's talking out loud. He also is kind of self-obsessed and it's kind of just, you know, he like he likes working through it that way. And I thought that that was a nice way to really clue us in on his thought process without having a narration or like, let me talk to the camera real quick. I mean, but that just uses Watson as the person that he's explaining it to, you know, it's sort of- Totally, but, or you can go, and this is a weird example too, but I happen to be, I like, um, Tim Burton, Sleepy Hollow. And when you watch Johnny's Ichabod going through and he's talking about, even if he's by himself, sometimes he's saying his thought process Uh because he's that person who like talks to himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I could see like a Holmes person being kind of a little socially awkward in a way because it's kind of like they're almost just too smart for normal people. I could see that you kind of writing it in a way where like this person just talks to themselves. (laughs) You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, and it could kind of work in a humorous way. But again, it's just a thing where it's a stylistic choice and it didn't ruin the film for me. I thought it was super fun. I would totally watch it again someday. I will say though that some of the stuff, particularly like I remember when she was looking through and and before the the bowler hat guy found her after she and the the guy split up Mm -hmm. from the train. Spoiler alert, of course. Oh yeah, spoilers. But But like as she's kind of looking through when she saw the, the tide thing, that looked like it was from her mom maybe. And she's looking through that setup of all that lab equipment and stuff. I, I think it was during one of those scenes but as she's kind of deducing, okay, so this is what's going on here and here. Some of times when it would show a flashback and she's remembering these crazy finite details from a mm-hmm. random little thing that seemed really inconspicuous in her past about her mom meeting with these other women. And she's remembering like actual words and this and that, whatever. Some of it, I was a little kind of like, okay, really? Yeah. Even though I know there are homes people. So like, you know, you're things that you don't think are significant that you can then recall. Cause she made a big deal to seem like she didn't think it was significant. Then to go and recall it and remember such details from it felt a little far-fetched for me. I was like, this is really how you're piecing this together. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, so I think some of that could have been a little stronger. Do we have that same, I, I think in generally speaking, in portrayals of Sherlock, right? Sherlock Holmes himself, we don't necessarily have that complaint. Oh no, totally. But I, but, but well, yeah, but I, I guess I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to really take it. It's a good interesting point to bring up because I'd have to take a refresher and I haven't watched like the Diane Jr. one in a long time. I actually haven't much to a lot of people's dismay. I never really got super into Sherlock. Oh, um, I love Sherlock. Which I know, I, I, I know. And I, I just, I had seen an episode or two and then I just never really got super into it. I did watch my little, uh, bit of a elementary, I will say. I, I watched elementary, I enjoyed elementary. I loved elementary. But it's hard for me to think back and try to pinpoint actual certain specifics like that where I'm looking at it with a critical eye being like, oh, that seems weird for you to reduce that. But yeah, it's interesting. I don't know, maybe. I think it's more a timeline, at least for me, more of a timeline issue where we're not sure how old she is in these memories, some of them. Yeah. So, so right. yes, I can absolutely believe that she has an encyclopedic a memory of the past year. But if it's longer ago than that, then it's hard to believe, you know, yeah. at that point. I think I think they just have to establish it, though. Like, if yeah. they just said right. at some point, oh, she has a yeah. photographic memory, you know, it'd be like, oh, yeah. well, okay. Totally. Or, and, yeah, yeah. Or, or she, you know, true. she grew up idolizing that, you know, her brother is Sherlock Holmes. So it's not like it's something that's, like, out of the ordinary for her to be thinking that way necessarily, you know? Yeah. So it's like... And so again, it's not like a, it's, I mean, that's why I'm like, I'm not going to call it a plot hole or anything. It's not that. It's just something where I was like, felt it's like a stretch. It been it's a, little, a stretch. Yeah. She does say she was trained to watch and listen. Do you remember when she's talking to the guy? Oh, okay. Yeah. See, and that's helpful. So, so, it's, you know, so there's a little bit of that, but yeah. there were lots of points of the mystery I really enjoyed though. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it reminds me of Nancy Drew books from my childhood, which I always loved and appreciated. And it's yeah. got a more feminist bent to it, which, you know, I really also loved. Same. Uh, I thought that stuff was well handled. And I feel like they rushed crazy. it though. I wanted more of that. They I did. wanted more of Helena Bonham Carter. But I did too. Oh, I was going to say she was criminally underused. I yeah. always want more. Criminally. Helena, but... I actually applaud the minimal use of Sherlock in mm-hmm. this. Um, I thought that Sherlock would be way overused and that we would maybe get some moments of Vanilla, but it would be, but they really did a very good job making it her story and making him an accessory, which I really, really yeah. liked. Yeah. I have to say, teasing teasing like a buddy a buddy sequel though would be made me really excited. I was happy because I just I'm think they could play that. off each other so well. <laughs> yes. You know, like um, I'm super into that. But I do enjoy yeah. her like origin story being about her. 
And yeah. I think if we were going to go into the story where it has to do with her past and her mom sort of missing and that whole, which I love because I, I like that sort of emotional connection and that's why she would start all that stuff. But if that's going to be it, I want that payoff, man. And I want, I want more Helena in it. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to know what the, the, you know, again, spoiler alerts, but I want to know what the bombs are for. And I want to know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, what this feminist revolution we're leading is, because I'm, well, I'm I, it. <laughs> My hope is that they're just, I think, and I don't know that this was successfully done to that point, but I feel like that they were trying to just kind of lay the breadcrumbs of, like, teasing this bigger story with it that will happen. Well, yeah, sequel. that's what I'm hoping for, is that yeah. we're actually getting at least a trilogy so that we can yeah. figure out what, what the mom's up to because she's still not right. safe, right? Well, so yeah, because like... it was a bit clunky in the setup and that by the time we realized where the story was really going and that it was actually, it was almost the whole second act when you realize she's actually just going to focus on this other guy. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was kind of like, oh, okay. So now we're just, I was kind of like, wait, but I want to follow. I still want to know where Helena is. Totally. It took me a minute to really get invested in caring about the kid once that, Took, went off that way. Yeah. And so it kind of was a little clunky in that and the three-partness of it all. Um, and then, yeah, by the time Helena came back, it was like, but wait, I want more. And I think that they want you to want more, but what if it doesn't get greenlit? Like, do we know if we're getting a sequel? I don't know. We don't <laughs> so. know. And and so I will say that, like, was a Viscount? Um, oh, yeah, the Viscount, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Count, yeah. Whatever his name was. I will say that that subplot wasn't my favorite. I like the mystery uh, part of it, but yeah, I also- I liked it by the end of it. But. I will say that, like, I didn't care enough about him at the point where she turns back for him and sort of changes, like you said just a minute ago, where she decides to go find him at the flower stall and goes through all this yeah. trouble to go, whatever. At that point, I didn't care enough about him to do that. So I thought yeah. that was really interesting. Like, yeah. I wish I wish that she had, I almost wish she had seen him almost taken by the bowler hat guy and think to herself, shit, man, this guy can't yeah. handle it. I gotta go help him, right? Yeah. right. But instead, she's just sort of, like three days later worried about him you know yeah yeah and i, I think really... they, t- they tried to do it in that like he bowler heck i was clearly looking for him when he found her yes and they had that big yes. fight and so she's like oh god if he finds this kid that kid's a goner and she just felt bad and so i like the humility humility of it all but, yeah. but yes i didn't really feel that connection at first and i felt like oh now we have to get through this subplot to get back to the plot i care about but i ended up liking it and i ended up liking that i liked the power of and the timeliness, I will say, of what we're going through right now in 2020, I like the the power of what she ended up accomplishing by right. helping him, I thought was super cool. Like, I like that they really found a way to take something that long ago that really resonates right now, very importantly, like get out there and vote and do all this, you know, stuff that's important. A singular important. vote matters, yeah. And him being alive made it so that they were able to really move forward in a progressive, more progressive society. I thought that was really cool. I also love that, you know, she's obviously not the most feminine girl, but she can be, right? So she gets both okay. options, right? Wearing a dress, not wearing a dress. But I also love that he is also allowed to not be fully full masculine mm-hmm. either, right? Yeah. Like his yeah. hobby is pressing flowers and he'd rather not live this wealthy life. He'd rather just sell flowers in a stall. And I think that like that sort of romanticism, right, is not typically associated with young men. Mm-hmm. So I no. really did sort of appreciate the sort of gender fluidity of the characters. Well, I was gonna say, what I feel like happened is they took two different of the books, the source material, and jammed them together, right? I bet you that the capturing of the Viscount kid and all this stuff was one entire plot line, because I'm imagining they're YA books and not necessarily like the longest ones. And then the whole, her mother disappearing and whole crazy feminist subplot that we still don't have quite a resolution to, you know, is another one. And they went, okay, let's put them together. But what they didn't do is they didn't resolve the the second one which actually felt like yeah. the bigger one right because it's like you you're not gonna pick something over your mother it's the book it's the bookend too right yeah. it's the bookend and it's the mystery the whole thing is set up there and to that point i think you're right they probably did do that and i think if that's the case too i mean we're it just even goes to show you more how much more effective it could have been even with us being left with just kind of breadcrumbs of what mom is really up to mm-hmm. it still would have been so much more effective as a, a series because right. then you can kind of go and still kind of weave and she could be working on mom stuff the whole time. I kind of look at it that's like- That's why I really wanted it to be a series because this would yeah. be such an- Think of this as a pilot. As a pilot, yeah. this mm-hmm. would be a show we would be all signed up for. Yep. Yeah. You know? That's what I mean. And I was going to say, I it, to that point of structure for a series, one of my favorite shows probably have ever, Veronica Mars, I love that show, does that very similarly where there's this overall mystery 
that encompasses the entire season and you do get that payoff by the last episode but then she's solving all these other little mysteries in between it that are all kind of episodic in a way and so that this could have been a really fun way to do something like that yeah it's always a a a device I really enjoy which is what made Mm -hmm. elementary the tv show really interesting and fun Mm -hmm. too is that they had you know daily mysteries right but then you know episodic ones but they also had a very interesting like overall plot yeah Minecraft and all that is really cool but I thought thought this was very pleasant and distracting and yeah uh, I hope I hope they make another one but I I also hope that the other one pays off because I I, like there's only so much you can drag out totally I think they succeeded in what they set out to do for sure did Um, you know that Millie Bobby Brown actually pitched it to Netflix I did not know that that's pretty cool her and her sister loved the Go books her. and they were reading them and she was like why not why aren't we making this why not so yeah. she she knows people obviously at netflix and so she yeah that's amazing and on a technical level i'm going to say too this and also danny you mentioned dip all the time the thing that those these two movies i will relate them together too is i thought that overall for the most part they both had pretty pretty great acting pretty yeah. throughout i thought most everyone was like really great and i thought that both felt like this sounds so uppity, but like they felt like real movies. Whereas like sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes <laughs> there is that movie that comes out on Netflix or a streaming service that just doesn't really have that same thing that a theatrical movie has. I don't know what it is. I think some of it though was also the production value. Like these, that, well, felt, these were real value. practical sets to a degree. Yeah, like these were- It's true. And the caliber of acting was, was, the, it was it. And it was a thing where like, I could have sat there and watched either of those films in a theater and wouldn't have felt like they felt like too cheap for a theater. Right, totally. And I thought that they both were great in that way. And that it's it's really exciting to think about, especially right now is like, we're looking to streaming for everything. It's like, I'm really, it's exciting to think about the future of like what else we're going to be kind of getting on things like Netflix and these platforms that are currently killing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. more than other, I don't know. It's interesting. I, happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting and I, I like it. No, I, I really, uh, I want a second one. I'm in. Yeah, sure, for I mean, sure. Yeah. I do want to talk about Millie Bobby Brown for a minute, just because I, I, th- I think, also finding out that she's the one who pitched it makes me admire her more. And having mostly seen her in Stranger Things, right? It's a very dark, cranky character who doesn't talk a lot. And, you know, that's just the character. She still acts. And I think she acts very well. And she started so young. Totally. The polar opposites, you know? Right. And then this was, <laughs> yeah. this was like yeah. fun, right? She got to play a teenager. Like, who and... is 11, though? You know? I know. Yeah. <laughs> she got to have fun. And I think she got to be sort not carefree completely but like the character just had sort of a joyousness to them and at some point they're like oh she's 16 and I was like wow god at this point Millie Bobby Brown must be 30 right you know not actually but she, <laughs> right. no she was she is 16 now which means she had to yeah. have been 13 14 no 14 15 when they filmed this maybe maybe 16 if she's about to turn 17 yeah maybe maybe like early early 15 year old into 16 but yeah and I was yeah, I was very yeah. impressed and this is going to be a very delicate topic because I don't want to yeah. like sexualize her but <laughs> I think I know where we're going so there was a scene where she basically tries on that super corsety dress and I was like oh that's nice she's clearly a young woman now that's Mm -hmm. nice she's a very pretty woman and then after the movie I went on her Instagram and I was like what the what yeah not that it is anything particularly risque racy but yeah yeah, but then having seen and this is why I wanted to talk about this with you two having seen this is Paris I'm like oh this girl has a kajillion followers and she is living her life very much on social media and we talked about in depth how with Paris Hilton she at least some of it she got to be in control of a degree of it because social media wasn't around as aggressively in her early kind of fuck up years for lack of a better word but now Millie Bobby Brown is living her whole life online and I'm just like what is some of the some of the posts and the outfits and things like that too it's a little and I will say was isn't she the one so just full transparency, I think we mentioned before and even a different podcast that I don't love, love Stranger Things. I haven't really like, I've yeah. seen most of the first season, didn't really get enough into it to even finish it. But like, I know who she is from that. But this made me like a fan of hers. Whereas mm-hmm. like, I didn't think she was bad in that at all. I just didn't really pay attention enough to who is this girl beyond this. But I remember at the time, I think, I mean, maybe it was like a year ago or maybe more. Wasn't there a whole thing out there that she went, showed up to some award show and looked more adultish than people thought she did from the show, obviously. And then suddenly people were kind of sexualizing her. Like the people were talking about online being like, oh, she's hot. Or, she's oh, gonna... yes. Like, I, I, I could be... cover. I, I yeah, or something. Know. Oh, now I'm remembering. This is a can of worms was I didn't a... realize. No, no that's what I'm like. And so it's, it's interesting. Do you remember Champagne? What's his name? Who was that predator? There, there was somebody. Yeah, I... Your name. The problem is, is there is some 
who commented on artist, it or something. Yeah. Who commented on it, and then it turns out that they've been chatting. No, it was Drake, wasn't it? It was Drake. Oh, it was, I was gonna Drake. Say champagne. You're right. I was going to say Champagne Poppy, but I wasn't sure. And no, then, it was Drake. Um, You're right. Yeah. And and they um, were friends, and it's like there's no oh, this is this friendship. And you know, everyone was calling it grooming, and it was mm -hmm. a whole yeah. Right. So since because of that controversy, I was thinking that in my mind, and when watching it, it might have been the corset scene. I don't know what it was, but there was a point during the movie where I was like, "How old is this girl?" And I looked her up, and I found out she's 16. Because like, I I that went to my mind where I was like, "How old is she?" Because and again, as a 16-year-old girl, like it's not like you look like you're eight, but it's a thing where it's like, how much is are we kind of taking someone? And again, it, social media is a whole different thing, but like, it's and so kind of making them though. presenting them as a woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. When it's like, really, they're not yet. Such a, but the problem is, is as someone who used to be a 16-year-old girl, it is a really hard balance because you want mm -hmm. to like, especially if, you, if I had that access to that money and those clothes and and all the stuff that she has access to. I can't guarantee that those aren't things I would be, want to be wearing and taking photos in, right? Because mm -hmm. at 16, I so badly wanted to be an adult. And yeah. I so badly wanted to be sexy and have a boyfriend and, and do all of those things. And so it's, it's hard because you're still a child, but you don't realize how much of a child you are because you think you know. Oh, I thought I was an adult at 16, 100%, right. let me tell you. I acknowledge that I'm kid, still not an adult. Like, I know I'm I was, well, now, well, well, I know I'm now. Well, I know now. still. But when I was 16, I thought I was mature and an adult. And I mean, this is so silly, but it kind of goes back. I mean, even as a kid, you watch, and obviously you could go into the implications of certain Disney films, this and that, whatever, but you never forget that famous Ariel quote, I'm 16 years old, I'm not a child. Yeah. And it's like, girl, you are a child. <laughs> and like, well, see, it's, it's the older I get, the more I understand that I didn't know anything. You right. know what I mean? That I really, truly yeah. knew nothing. Oh, totally, yeah. And you still don't, and I don't, you know? It's like, yeah, and I still, I mean, I'm, well, at this point, I've, I've come to the realization that I never will. And, yeah, exactly. um, and which is the ultimate kind of enlightenment, like as far as exactly, you know, but we don't that, have that. that there is no place in which you board. get your shit together. There's yeah. actually yeah. no, you don't ever get yeah. a trophy for that. There's just no point in which that ever happened. You're not gonna get any of that. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm still, I'm holding out. Okay, I have hope. It's hard because you're one part, so you don't want people to treat you like that because it's scary, right? So when people start sexualizing you, it feels not great. But at the same time, you want to be that woman and you want to be seen that way. So it just, mm -hmm. it's the hard part about us. Right. And you you right? spend and it, your teen years, you spend your teen years wanting to be older most of the right. time. Yeah. And you, and you spend, and you, and it's like flattering for people to think you're older than you are. So it's like, it's hard to where, like, yeah, where do you find the line of where actually what you're doing is actually pretty inappropriate for your age and and that's not saying anything she's done is inappropriate no like, I just no, 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 you, no, no 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 we're just yeah. talking in general yeah 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 or and, if, and then when do parents get involved and when this and that and when are we sheltering what our what our kids are doing and this and that it's a whole i mean of course like you said can i work so hard to get into and it's hard because you look at her instagram and you know while there's again like nothing on there that's just like oh my gosh like this is insane whatever but you look at it and you're like okay well she's she's feeling herself you know what i mean and it's and it's hard because again Oh my god this is a 16 year old girl it's like this is a you know she's a child in our you know so it's just kind of that you know it, and I, yeah. I will say the the initial root of it because i legitimately had completely forgotten about the drake thing and all that stuff but yeah it's like okay well again much like with the framing of this is paris she's got a skincare line i realized and and i do remember there was another the other thing that did pop into my head was like she, there was a video of her being like this is my skincare routine and she washes her face and she still has a full face of makeup and it's like that's not how that works <laughs> yeah. you know and people yeah, called yeah. her out on it and i think she actually apologized and was like no you're right yeah so there's the whole like entrepreneur factor we jackie and i were 16 year old girls at one point but we didn't have the money or wealth or recognition or instagram at that point so i that that truly is something that just sort of made me think after seeing the film i was like wow she's oh, living so much of her life in this curated cold leaving yeah. out the factor of her being famous you know and being on a world stage which is obviously a huge factor if you leave that out i still would not want to be a 13 year old girl today like oh, there no. is no no no, no. Yeah. the 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 scrutiny of online um in social media mm -hmm. right now has got to be crushing because even being as a guy i'm thankful without it was yeah. terrible I can't yeah. even imagine the amount of, because we were cruel to each other in middle school. We're cruel. <laughs> even as a guy, I'm thankful every day that I didn't have social media in high school. I, we made it through without that kind of, imagine if the way we live on social, if you had that pressure to do it in high school or junior high. If I mean, I remember the pressure of your MySpace top eight.
weight and how like intense that was. Those were big decisions. Yeah. And like you what know? your song was going to be and what, you know, your And like we're laughing about it, but like, can you imagine tenfold of like liking pictures and seeing if anyone looked at your stuff and like, yeah. oh, how many followers you have and all the, the yeah. craziness that like everyone goes through now. Um, well, and I think that that's to kind of bring it even to what we're talking with the military, with the, um, you think about all these child stars that like there's the cautionary tale with Hollywood and stuff and oh, kind of like getting your fame so young and kind of, and they, they grow up, quote, I'm doing air quotes, grow up too fast. Like where it's like, they're not actually grown up, but they, and you're in this whole thing and you kind of, you know, and again, you're watching yourself and you see people are a fan of you as a person. And, you know, you kind of get lunged into adulthood a little, a little sooner than you should probably. And you add the implications of social media on top of that. A lot mm -hmm. of the stars that we've seen kind of downward spiral and kind of do things and stuff. We wish them all well, of course, but like even like the Lindsay Lohans and like the Amanda Bynes and that kind of the different, the, what we've seen happen. Yes, social media came into play, but they were adults by that time. Right. And it's like, you look at this where it's like social media is already in play when this girl was 11, 12, oh, 13 it's a cautionary tale and you just kind of hope that it, I mean, I you hope want it, everyone to make it through, you know? I mean, honestly, like, I hope they're going to be okay. I think even as adults, we struggle with this dichotomy of like real life versus what we post on social media. Right. And like what those means and the pressures of that, right. Watching everyone else's happy moments on social media on a very regular basis without seeing the reality of people's lives. And I think that like, as a 13 year old girl, I just don't think I'd be capable of distinguishing between the two, you know, and not being able to judge myself based on everyone else. I mean, there's yeah. not just that though. It's also livelihoods, right? And not just for mm -hmm. actors who at least have this other outlet where it's like, okay, well, yeah, Millie Bob, she proved in Enola Holmes and, and in Stranger Things and, a, you know, even Godzilla, like she can act. So she has that as mm -hmm. a kind of fallback. That's her career. Let's be honest. That's her career. I think yeah. I give her credit for starting the makeup, skincare, whatever business. Cause like, good, diversify. Yeah. But there is a whole subset of just influencers who have seen the success of the Paris Hiltons, the whoever's and go, I don't have to, the Kim Kardashians, like, I don't necessarily have to do anything. But right. if I present myself a certain way on social media, I can be set for the rest of my life. And we haven't mm -hmm. seen, I don't think we've really seen the fallout of that yet, right? Because it's like, what, no, it's too new from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's too new. And that's why when you say, we, you know, branch out, diversify, looking at the Kardashian thing as well. I've always actually admired that they, like, especially someone like Kim does that mm -hmm. outside of say her show or this or that, whatever, where it's like, they do start and run these businesses because Kim, they know the show's not going to last forever. I mean, it, now it's over, but like they knew it wasn't going to be a forever thing as it is. And when will your time in the spotlight expire? You might right. as well, when you're in there, do these different things and set these different things up and, and make the absolute most of it that you can. And I'm glad that she, I like to see that she does that as well. It's just, you also look at kind of like, are you just going to fast forward and kind of like, you know, you look at like the Kylie Jenner kind of thing where we think, are you going to just kind of fast forward through this really important different part of your life, focusing too much on these adult things, like let's make all these all this money and start these businesses and do this kind of thing. You know what I mean? But then it's yeah. like, she might think, well, is this my moment? And will it be gone in five years? I don't know. And so you've got to kind of, you know, who, who am I to judge? You know, I don't know. <laughs> She's more successful than we will probably be, all be in our entire lives. Like, let's be honest. Right, probably combined, you know? <laughs> I, I, I really like, though, I, that's why hearing that she decided to pitch this. Yeah, that's amazing. It gives me hope she has yeah. a good head on her shoulders. Yeah. And again, she she's got good people that. around her at the very least, yeah. which is right. you know, half the battle. So, but anyway, seeing her Instagram, I was just like, oh, you are, a, you're a kid. You're about to be an adult, but you yeah. are still a kid. Will, you know what? I'm going to say yeah. that that really does speak well of Stranger Things and how little they were sexualized on the show, um, mm -hmm. that we are surprised by her looking like uh, an adult. Yeah. I do think I, Jackie, did you watch all this? Are you caught up on Stranger Things? Um, no. I don't blame. The last season was not great. Uh, the last season, I think I got like halfway through and then it was okay. just about exploding things. I just thought it was gross. And anyway. I just, I think the, the funny thing about Stranger Things or the, one of the biggest challenges on that show is they have worked very hard to keep it in a certain timeline, like a real time timeline. So they rushed from season one to season two because like these kids are at puberty. They are growing up. Right. It is very, you know, you can't set a show three months in the future because they're going to have deep voices and, you know, do whatever and, you know, start yeah. growing beards and, and she's going to start to become a, a woman and all this. So it was very, it's very interesting seeing them uh, try and yeah. rectify those two things on the show. And I think especially this, whatever next season is going to be, it's going to be impossible. 
they're going to have to fast yeah. forward because yeah. all of those kids are now, they are yeah. young adults. We saw it happen in It versus chapter one and chapter two a little bit. And no, then I have talk not about, seen It because It looks Well, no, yeah, no, but I just mean like, <laughs> It's, it was largely, I mean, people, the, di- the dynamic of the kids, people largely compared to Stranger Things type mm-hmm. of stuff. And obviously we had, I think, one, one of the kids for sure, but I don't know if there were more than that was from it. But you kind of went from one to two, which we're supposed to just kind of be back to back here. Right. You know, and some of them all of a sudden, they start getting deep voices. And then talk about the Harry Potter franchise. I mean, every year, it was, it was like when those stopped being every year, because I think when Alfonso Cuaron came in with number three, he made it a year and a half later instead of a year later. And then they all kind of started doing that. And then eventually you've got, like 20 year olds playing you know what I mean <laughs> playing yeah, well that's again that's what I thought she kids, was gonna you know, be and, and it's hard you know <laughs> does anyone watch Doom Patrol no uh no okay so it's a show on HBO Max I think it was on DC's kind of streaming I've service seen, yeah I've seen it on the icon it's, yeah. it's actually very I really enjoyed it, it it's a little okay. suicide well not suicide it's a little Guardians of the Galaxy like kind of ragtag group of people Fun. and yeah. there's there's a character on it who plays like a five-year-old not five 12 12 year old girl let's say and she has she her character is kind of part crow magnon ish like she's not 100 human human she's sort of like a hybrid thing anyway mm-hmm. she's very small and she does have a lot of makeup on and i was like god that must be a filming challenge just because kids the rules yeah. for kids on set are really strict and the amount of makeup must yeah eat into your schooling time and all this stuff mm-hmm. nope it's played by like a 25 year old just a very, very tiny 25-year-old. And I was like, Whoa. Which is the smarter way to go around it. You know, it, go right. about it. And it's I like, was just like, that, okay. Yeah. And it makes me yeah. feel weirdly better about the show because I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. that's not a little kid. <laughs> well, that's why twins were so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, to yeah, play like, you could go back kid and, roles. Yeah. You yeah. Identical twins, you could get You kind of have to for a certain Otherwise, Well, and even something like, even stage stuff, it's like, you know, you look and like, sometimes like you go to Les Mis, like you have an actual little girl playing Cosette, but her part is so short and you're this little kid. Yeah. But then, I mean, this is such a random example. We, Jackie and I remember we went to go see Lestat when it was before its Broadway run. And Claudia is such a huge part of that. And Claudia, I mean, I love Interview with the Vampire and like Kirsten Dunst was an actual child in that. But Claudia is on stage and she's belting out these things and stuff. And it's like, she's in the entire movie slash show. So for like a live thing, of course they have it an adult. You know, they have to have yeah. this adult be it, but they just get the the smallest uh, adult they can find that kind of, you know, with, with makeup and the way you dress them look like a kid, you know, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, not that, not that Tinkerbell is a kid, I guess, but it always reminds me of Tinkerbell. The Disney, Disneyland, um, yeah. Disney parks because she has to be, I think it's like something like four three or four four. Four foot, yeah. yeah. And, um, because she yeah. can't be taller than that because she'll be, it's too dangerous because she actually goes through the fireworks show on a rope. You know, no, it's more by the castle. I mean, the fireworks are way for the back, of course. It's not, but it's yeah, like, yeah, I, she's, you know, I just, I guess I've never yeah. seen. So, anyway, the way it works is yeah. she can only be very tiny. And so yeah. I just always remember because this cast member gets paid for this, I don't know, it takes her what, three minutes to get across? And that's generous. Yeah, maybe, uh, so yeah. Just feel like, so she gets paid a decent chunk of money to do uh, three minutes of work every day. To show up every day. Yeah, exactly. And she's, and she's, you know, it's dangerous and this and that. And yeah. And it's dangerous. And, you know, I'm sure she has to yeah. make up and what, I mean, rehearsals and things for actual yeah. visible time, like, yeah. visible time, yeah. just literally three minutes. That's across. the dream. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it, it's a whole, like we were just saying, it's a whole different kind of thing. Well, when you have, and- yeah. You have kids in a show or a movie and you've got to keep it going and it's, production time except they they will grow up mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's, they have grown up we have seen them blossom in front they have, of our they eyes have. apparently <laughs> just happened. <laughs> yeah it's interesting eventually grow yeah yeah people do well, you know <laughs> i think on that note yeah as we face our own mortality and age no, <laughs> like, <laughs> i know i was like i was like i've definitely grown up as i look at this camera it's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll stay. We, we are all very youthful at heart, people, I think. Uh, yes. So let's hope for that. Well, well, thank you both yeah. for joining this week. Yeah, thanks for having. 